Section 49. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or if you wish to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim McDougall. The French Revolution by Thomas Carlyle. Volume 1, Book 7, Chapter 9. Lafayette. Towards midnight, lights flare on the hill, Lafayette's lights. The roll of his drums comes up the Avenue de Versailles, with peace or with war, patience, friends, with neither. Lafayette has come, but not yet the catastrophe. He has halted and harangued so often on the march, spent nine hours on four leagues of road. At Montreuil, close on Versailles, the whole host had to pause, and with uplifted right hand in the murk of night to these pouring skies swear solemnly to respect the king's dwelling to be faithful to king and national assembly rage is driven down out of sight by the laggard march the thirst of vengeance slaked in weariness and soaking clothes flandre is again drawn out under arms but flandre grown so patriotic now needs no exterminating the way-worn battalions halt in the avenue they have, for the present, no wish so pressing as that of shelter and rest. Anxious sits President Mounier, anxious the chateau. There is a message coming from the chateau that Monsieur Mounier would please return thither with a fresh deputation swiftly, and so at least unite our two anxieties. Anxious Mounier does of himself send, meanwhile, to apprise the general that His Majesty has been so gracious as to grant us the acceptance, pure and simple. The general, with a small advance column, makes answer in passing, speaks vaguely some smooth words to the national president, glances only with the eye at that so mixed to form national assembly, then fares forward towards the chateau. There are with him two Paris municipals. They were chosen from the three hundred for that errand. He gets admittance through the locked and padlocked grates, through sentries and ushers, to the royal halls. The court, male and female, crowds on his passage to read their doom on his face, which exhibits, say historians, a mixture of sorrow, of fervor, and valor, singular to behold. The king, with monsieur, with ministers and marshals, is waiting to receive him. He has come, in his high-flowing, chivalrous way, to offer his head for the safety of his majesties. The two municipals state the wish of Paris four things of quite pacific tenor. First, that the honor of guarding his sacred person be conferred on patriot national guards, say the center grenadiers, who as guard Francaise were wont to have that privilege. Second, that provisions be got if possible. Third, that the prisons, all crowded with political delinquents, may have judges sent them. Fourth, that it would please his majesty to come and live in Paris. To all which four wishes, except the fourth, his majesty answers readily, Yes, or indeed may almost say that he has already answered it. To the fourth, he can answer only yes or no, would so gladly answer yes and no. But in any case, are not their dispositions, thank heaven, so entirely pacific? There is time for deliberation. The brunt of the danger seems past. Lafayette and Destaing settle the watches, Center grenadiers are to take the guard room they of old occupied as guard francais, for indeed the guard de corps, 
its late ill-advised occupants, were gone mostly to Rambouillet. That is the order of this night, sufficient for the night as the evil thereof. Whereupon Lafayette and the two municipals, with high-flown chivalry, take their leave. So brief has the interview been, Mounier and his deputation were not yet got up. So brief and satisfactory, a stone is rolled from every heart. The fair palace dames publicly declare that this Lafayette, detestable though he be, is their saviour for once. Even the ancient vinaigrous taunt admitted, the king's aunt, ancient grail and sisterhood, known to us of old. Queen Marie Antoinette has been heard often say the like. She alone, among all women and all men, wore a face of courage, of lofty calmness and resolve this day. She alone saw clearly what she meant to do, and Theresa's daughter dares to do what she means, through all France threatening her, abide where her children are, where her husband is. Towards three in the morning, all things are settled. The watch is set, the center grenadiers put into their old guardroom and harangued. The Swiss and few remaining bodyguards harangued. The wayworn Paris battalions, consigned to the hospitality of Versailles, lie dormant in spare beds, spare barracks, coffee houses, empty churches. A troop of them, on their way to the church of Saint Louis, awoke poor Weber, dreaming troublous in the Rue Sartory. Weber has had his waistcoat pocket full of balls all day, two hundred balls and two pairs of powder for waistcoats were waistcoats then, and had flaps down to mid-thigh. So many balls he has had all day, but no opportunity of using them. He turns over now, execrating disloyal bandits, swears a prayer or two, and straight to sleep again. Finally, the National Assembly is harangued, which thereupon, on motion of Mirabeau, discontinues the penal code and dismisses for this night. Menadism, sans-culottism, has cowered into guardhouses, barracks of Flandre, to the light of cheerful fire, failing that to churches, office-houses, sentry-boxes, wheresoever wretchedness can find a lair. The troublous day has brawled itself to rest. No lives yet lost, but that of one war-horse. Insurrectionary chaos lies slumbering round the palace, like ocean round a diving-bell, no crevice yet disclosing itself. Deep sleep has fallen promiscuously on the high and on the low, suspending most things, even wrath and famine. Darkness covers the earth, but far on the northeast, Paris flings up her great yellow gleam, far into the wet black night, for all is illuminated there, as in the old July nights, the streets deserted, for alarm of war, the municipals all wakeful, patrols hailing with their horse who goes. There, as we discover, our poor slim Louison Chabray, her poor nerves all fluttered, is arriving about this very hour. There, Usher Maillard will arrive, about an hour hence, toward four in the morning. They report successively to a wakeful Hôtel de Ville what comfort they can report, which again, with early dawn, Large, comfortable placards shall impart to all men. Lafayette, in the Hôtel de Noailles, not far from the chateau, having now finished haranguing, sits with his officers consulting. At five o'clock, the unanimous best counsel is that a man so tossed and toiled for twenty-four hours and more fling himself on a bed, 
and seek some rest thus then has ended the first act of the insurrection of women how will it turn on the morrow the morrow as always is with the fates but his majesty one may hope will consent to come honorably to paris at all events he can visit paris anti-national bodyguards here and elsewhere must take the national oath make reparations of the tricolor flandre will swear there may be much swearing much public speaking there will infallibly be and so with harangues and vows may the matter in some handsome way wind itself up or alas may it not be all otherwise unhandsome the consent not honorable but extorted ignominious boundless chaos of insurrection presses slumbering round the palace like ocean round a diving bell and may penetrate at any crevice let but that accumulated insurrectionary mass find entrance like the infinite inburst of water or say rather of inflammable self-igniting fluid for example turpentine and phosphorus oil fluid known to spinola santerre End of section 49